Hey, ebook readers, right now, the Flight Attendant Joe series ebooks are only $2.99. That's Fasten Your Seatbelts and Eat Your Fucking Nuts, Flight Attendant Joe, and I'm Just Here for the Layovers on Amazon, iTunes, Nook, and Kobo, $2.99 each. Hey guys, welcome to this episode of Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe. Before we get started, I just want you to know that this conversation was recorded about a month ago. So we really don't discuss COVID-19. You know, a month ago, it was kind of on our minds. Um, what is it now? April 14th. Yeah, it was on our minds. You know, it was, it was down the street. It wasn't knocking on our door, right? Now it's not only knocking on our door, but it's come into the living room. It's fucking sat on our sofa and it's having a drink. So if this conversation had been... Today, it would probably be a little different. Although, the reason I had my guest on was to talk about race and racism. Because in 2020, racism is still running rampant, and I just don't fucking get it. I asked Keisha to come on the show today to talk about race and racism, and Keisha is so real, I really appreciated how honest she was on this episode. We talked about the difference between raising black children and white children, and what you have to tell your young black boys, things that I was not told as a young kid, but black parents have to tell their kids. We talked about racial disparities in the judicial system. We discussed slavery and religion, And how do you believe in the same God that your master believes in when he's holding you down? I don't understand that. I confessed about a time I was xenophobic and ignorant on a train in London. Keisha shared stories that I, we both shared stories together where outcomes were different because of the color of our skin. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Keisha. Keisha's on the call. Good evening, Keisha. You got me up way late to be doing this now. Yes, honey. Listen, I'm a night owl anyway. So, you know, I got to do my thing. You got to do your work. Why are you, why are you a night owl? What, why are you, why do you stay up so late? Because I'm a whore. Just joking. Um, <laughs> oh, it's going to be like that already? <laughs> now, I asked you, I asked you to speak clearly and that whore did not come out like the white woman voice you promised me a little while ago. I know, my bad, my bad. Okay. Well, the reason why that I am a night owl, I think I'm a night owl by nature. My whole entire family is, they're, they're all night owls. They all work night shifts, from the grandparents to my parents, except my father. He was the only sane when they worked in the day. And that's probably why he and my mother were married for about 30-something years. I can't remember the exact number wow. until the day he died because they were opposite schedules. And you know how that works. It's better for you to be apart more than you together so you can stay together. Oh, Oh, absolutely. Like I've been together 16 years now and 12 of that's been a flight attendant. I would have been divorced a long time ago. You see, see, if you was home every day, exactly. Right. Now, um, I love, I love sharing. So everyone who's listening, this is Keisha. I've known Keisha for about 12 years and I love always sharing the first time I ever met you. Someone said, Joe, this is Keisha, Keisha, this is Joe. And you turned around, you, you waved, you turned around, you bent over and you flung your dress up and you show me your underwear. Yeah, I'm on you. And I always, and I always thought this I love this woman. Like, who does that? So I always <laughs> felt like we was connected. Yes, we were. Because you know what? You were real from the very beginning. You always have been a very genuine person. And I can appreciate that about you. 
real knows real. I love that. Real knows real. And I feel the same about you. I know that if you tell me something, it's exclamation mark done. This is how you feel. There's no, there's no dancing around it. Ain't no putting cupcakes out there. It's just boom to the point. Yes, because honey, there we have gone a long time without talking to each other. I know. But there was was a particular case to where I think it was a while we would, you know, chat over social media. But I ended up reaching out to you, like, listen, just to give you a heads up, you might want to keep some things to yourself because this is going on, blah, blah, blah. That was years ago. I don't know if you remember that. It was the I middle do of the remember night. that. I do remember that. You yeah. had you had written something on Facebook and mm-hmm. somebody was trying mm-hmm. to start trouble. You know, with that's you. it. Yeah, yeah, that's it. You Somebody was yeah, trying to start it. trouble for you, and you said, not today, hooker. I think those <laughs> were your exact words. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. Now, yeah, that's me. Where, where were you born? Where are you from? I do not know this. I was born in Brooklyn, New York, but I was raised in Florida. I left New York when I was like eight years old and moved to Jacksonville, Florida, because my mother wanted a better life for me. She didn't uh-huh. want me to go through all the you know trials and tribulations of raising a kid or a kid being raised in New York. She just felt like I would have more opportunities being raised in the South. And you know what? I, I appreciate her doing that. I really do. I really do because I absolutely hate New York. I mean, I think New York is a great city, but it just doesn't fit in my persona, in my personality. It just doesn't. Do you, do you feel like you're from New York or do you feel like you're from Florida? I feel like I'm from Florida. Florida I feel like girl. I should have been born in Florida. Yeah, what unfortunately. Don't, what don't you like about New York? Um, New York to me is just entirely too fast-paced and busy. And it's a little too crowded for me. I like to have my own space. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm a little spoiled. You know, I want to be able to drive to the grocery store and park up front, you know. Even if I am parking in the handicapped spot, no, I'm not <laughs> I, was just, I have that option. I was just going <laughs> to ask you, bitch, do you park in the handicapped spot? I had knee surgery. I had ankle surgery like in 2015. And the best part of it was the Vicodin and was that handicap mm. sticker. I used that till the mm-hmm, last minute mm-hmm. of the last day. Mm-hmm. There could have been 75 open spots at Target and I was taking the handicapped spot. Listen, it's, use your, listen, use your privileges. It is what it is. So that's what I just, it's too much. What is too much? New York? With New York, it's too much because I feel like it's just, entire, it's just a, a, a hassle to do simple things, like to go grocery shopping, you know, to do laundry, um, to get home, to right. park. It's just, it, it, for other people who have been born and raised there, it's normal to them. It's a normalcy to where it's like, oh, that's just the way it is. What do you mean? It's a city that never sleeps. You can get Chinese food at 4 a.m. And I'm like, okay, but it's not, no, I don't want to climb 17 flights of steps just to get home. Right. No, I'm too lazy for that. Now, is that the type of house that you grew up in in Brooklyn was like a walk-up? Actually, we, I lived in a multifamily home. Okay. I was blessed, and I know this is going to sound so crazy, but it is what it is. I was blessed to not ever live in the projects or any of that type of, you know, you know, what they could, what you, when you think about New York, you think of these different areas and different types of living. I didn't, I, you know, I, I was blessed where I didn't have to live that way. We live in a multifamily home. Okay. Um, and my mom, she rented or whatever. And then finally, when we, she decided to move to Florida, we moved into a house and that's where we lived. 
And then she finally, but she may save up enough money to buy her own home. And then we moved into a home. So it's like, I didn't really live in an apartment until from what I can remember. I know we lived in an apartment when I was a baby, when I was first born. But as far as what I can remember from the age of six on up, we didn't live in an apartment. We lived in homes, you know, and it's nothing wrong with apartments because hell, I lived in an apartment from the time I left my parents' house at 18 until I hit, what, 38 and bought my first home. So there's nothing wrong with an apartment, but it's just I didn't have that lifestyle living here. And I can understand why she decided, you know what, I want to move somewhere different where I can give her a better life and more opportunity. Now, do you have any siblings or are you an only child? Sure, yeah, I got siblings. (laughs) I have a brother. (laughs) Listen, I love them, but they are a mess. I have a brother and I have a sister. My brother and I are 12 years apart. My sister and I are 18 years apart. Me and my little sister, we're 18 years apart, and we both have children the same exact age. We both have two-year-olds. Wait a minute. So you have a brother that's how older than you? So you're the middle. I'm 12 years older than him. Are you the oldest? I'm the oldest, honey. I'm the bitch in charge, honey. Who's in charge of the girls? I'm in charge of the girls. I should have known that. So you have you you have a brother that's twelve years younger than you, and then you have a sister that's eighteen years younger than you. Eighteen years younger than you. You both have a two year old. Yes, she has a two year old girl. I have a two year old boy, and I also have a six month old little boy. Well, congratulations! You have a two year old, and you just got them all out real quick. Yes, honey. Listen, now they came out with gray hair because the bitch is old, but they're here. <laughs> now, um, I, I don't know how old you are. I'm not going to ask, but you have had your kids later in life. Honey, listen, I'm 43. I'll okay. be 44 in September. I'm not ashamed. Oh. I had like a, a, an egg and a half left. Those kids had to crawl out of the cobwebs. They had to crawl out of yes, the cobwebs. Yes, they had to crawl out. Yes. Okay. They did. That's why they both came out with gray hair. <laughs> they, so, like they saw know, a horror right? movie. <laughs> now what exactly now let me ask you your parents they move you they moved to florida you're the only one born at that time you're eight years old parents moved to florida what how what kind of conversations do your parents have preparing you for growing up in this world okay so it was just my mom because my biological father i don't know him Oh, okay. Don't know him. I've only met him once, but I don't know him. We didn't have that relationship for whatever reason. Okay. Um, end up moving to Florida. And to be honest, back then, the conversations that, that parents have with a little black girl is totally different from the conversation that you're going to have with a little black boy. Okay. Now... Today, in this day and age, you have the same conversation with the both of them. But back then, you didn't have that conversation. The only conversation you had with a little, you know, girl of color was, you know, for the most part, it was make sure that you have manners. Make sure that you look people in the eye when you talk to them. Make sure you say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Treat people how you want to be treated. You know, pretty much do right by people. You know right from wrong. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't cheat. Have integrity. Things like that. 
Um, but with the black boys, and I noticed that with my brother when he was coming up, it's a different type of conversation. And the conversation is it, the conversation, in my opinion, comes about when a little black boy is at the age of driving. When he gets to the age of driving, that's when they have what's called the talk. And the talk is, you know, listen, you need to make sure you're careful about the company you keep and the people who you're hanging around. And parents get real overprotective about who they're friends with as far as when the friends start having cars and who you're riding in the car with. And be careful you're not around the wrong type of company and pretty much rude young people. Because as a young black male, when you're riding in a car and if you get pulled over by the police, you are treated differently. Now, keep in mind, for me back then, I'm looking like, I, I think I, I hate to say it, but I think that I was very ignorant and naive to a lot of things because I was fortunate enough to not experience some of the woes that a lot of other young people have experienced. So when they're having this talk with him, I'm like, what are talking about? Like, what it's so extra. That's what I'm thinking to myself. And my mother and her husband, then husband, were explaining to him, you know, you make sure that you have your license, your registration, and proof of insurance. Make sure you have that in your center console. And I'm thinking to myself, that's crazy. Why not have it into your glove compartment? And their thing was like, no, you need to make sure it's in your center console. And it's always there and it's always ready. So that if the case, in case the police do pull you over, you know, you just have it ready and available so they can see your hands at all times because you don't want to make them feel uncomfortable or like you're, you know, trying to do something that you're not supposed to do. And then that puts you into a life or death type situation, which to me, I swear, I always thought that they were overreacting. I really did. I'm just like, what? And it's now in this day and age, it's like, wow, wow. You know, so the talk was just different for me. The talk for for me as a, a young girl of color was more about, you know, how you carry yourself as a young lady, having respect for your elders, getting an education, hygiene, you know, sex and what to do, what not to do and things like that is as a young male of color, it's a totally different conversation. It's, it's like life or death for them. Whereas with us, for me, in my experience, it was more of life, of how to carry yourself as a woman. So it was very interesting for me. Why did you think your parents were overreacting when they're warning your brother, like, listen, if you get pulled over by the cops, you need to make sure this is where your insurance card is. Don't be making no quick movements. Why do you think they were overreacting? To me, I felt like they were overreacting because I hadn't had that experience. Because you have to understand, I'm not saying I was privileged. I'm going to say that I was blessed. I lived in, I was we weren't rich, but we weren't poor. So I lived in a neighborhood and in an environment to where different types of activities, whether it's uh, low-income related, activities or poverty related activities I was not privy to that I was not around that so I didn't understand that there are other facets in other areas and different people in life who live in totally different environments to where hell they may have to steal 
in order to, you know, get their next meal or feed their kids. Or they may feel like, you know what, I may need to sell drugs because I don't have the money to do this and do that. I wasn't around that. So for them to have these types of conversations about, oh, the police, you know, they could possibly think that you're doing, I'm like, why the hell would they think my brother's doing something? My brother, you know, he doesn't do stuff like that. Like he's, not that he's, you know, he's a model citizen, he's perfect child. And that, that's not what I'm saying, but that's not what we do. So it's like, what do you, what do you mean? That don't even make sense. And as far as society goes and media goes, they portray the police as being our friends and being officer friendly. So why in the hell would officer friendly kill us or shoot us or think we're doing something where they're just doing a simple traffic stop? So I couldn't understand what was the importance and what was all of these extreme conversation about all of that, which now being older and being more experienced and being in contact with different people who have experienced a totally different environment and walk of life from what I have. Now I totally understand it. And also going through the experience finally in life makes me understand and say, aha, oh, this is what they were talking about. Okay. Now I see. Okay. I get it. Okay. I know what this is. This goes back to what my parents were doing with my brother. Okay, this is what I'm going through now. Now I get it. But back then I didn't. Because you weren't, it wasn't prevalent to you. I have a friend who grew up in New York City, and we've talked about this, and he actually was afraid of the police. Mm -hmm. like, like, even though, like you just said, it's on TV, like the police are here to protect us. He said to me, like, oh, no, no, we, I was afraid. I was afraid of the Let police. Yes, let me tell you what happened with me. So what made me, what basically, I know this is going to sound weird as hell. It is, and it's so ignorant on my part. Of course I know I'm a black female. Of course I know I'm African American. Of course I know that I'm black. I know that. I know that. Right. I've always known that. But I didn't realize that I was black slash a nigger to them until I hit 22, 23 years old. And what made me come to that realization is I had a boyfriend at the time okay, and we were out and we had just left his best friend's house. And his best friend at the time was living with his uncle who was a retired fire station chief. Okay. We were over there for the longest hanging out or whatever. We were leaving to go home, and we wanted to stop. I wanted Krispy Kreme donuts. Of course, and you did. the hot light was on. Of course, it is. The hot, <laughs> the you know, hot light was on. I'm done. Listen, the hot light was on. The hot light. Okay, <laughs> the hot light was on. It was like one, two o'clock in the morning, and the hot light was on. So I was like, "Oh, please, you know, come on, let's just get it." Oh my God, the hot light's on, and you know, it was only one Krispy Kreme donut in the area where I lived. So he was like, oh, okay, or whatever. So he went ahead, made a U-turn or whatever. We go, we get it on us, we come out of Krispy Kreme drive-thru. We're headed home. Next thing you know, the police get behind us. And he's like, I think that's a police officer behind I'm like, okay, whatever. So I'm the one that's driving. He's ready to go home. I am the one that's driving, so we made a U-turn. Okay. So we're driving, and he's like, I think that's police. And I'm like, okay. In my mind, I'm like, so? what's a big deal like it's not that serious or whatever so finally they throw the lights on they pull us over 
pull us over to ask me for my license, registration, the whole nine. I handle my license or whatever. At the time, I didn't realize that my license was suspended for un- for unpaid tickets. Okay. So at that point, I said, okay, you know, what are we going to do or whatever? And he was like, well, you know, technically we should take you to jail, but, you know, your license is suspended. But, you know, if we, if we want, we can go ahead and we could have him. I said, I said, can you have him to drive? And they said no in the beginning. Okay. So I said, okay, well, what are we going to do or whatever? Back then it was different because at that point it was at the officer's discretion back then in my area. They could either say, we're going to keep the car and you got to catch a cab home or they can go ahead and whatever. So by this time, they go back to the car, their car, and we're sitting there waiting because they told us to hang tight. We're sitting there waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting. And as we're waiting, more police cars are showing up. More police cars are showing up. Okay. Okay. So finally, they come back to the car. By the time they come back to the car, it's probably like six or seven other police cars. Why you need six or seven police cars for a four eleven girl? And he was probably like five nine, a five nine guy, and we're young. So he's a college student at the time, the whole nine. So they come back to the car, and they're like on his side, and they say, "You know, can we see your license?" So he's like. Okay, for what? We just want to run it to make sure you're okay. He said, absolutely not. So I said, well, me being dumb, I said, well, they just want to run it, you know, to see if you're okay so that you can be the one to drive. He goes, no, that's not what they want to run it for. That's not what this is about. Now, in my mind, I'm thinking, what? Because that's the ignorance of, you know, unfortunately, my parents, they probably should have had the same talk with me that they had with my brother. Oh. He knew because he had already had the talk. He had the talk. He knew what was going on. Right. He had the talk already, so he knew what was up. So I'm like, what is going on? So they're like, you know, just let us run your license away. He goes, no, absolutely not. I already know what this is. I know what this is about, whatever, whatever. At this point, you know, they're going back and forth with him, and I'm just sitting there like, what the hell is going on? They asked him to get out of the car, so he, he went on ahead and he got out of the car. They told him to put his hands behind his back. They had to put his hands on his back. And they sat him on the curb. By this time, I actually had a had my phone. Which, and I went on ahead and I called the best friend. And I said, hey, you know, I don't know what's going on. Can you come up here or whatever? So luckily, thank God, him and the uncle both came up there. The uncle happened to know because he used to work in that district. He happened to know whoever. I don't know. So he said, uh, he came up, he said to whoever he was dealing with, you know, I know them or whatever, whatever. And the he came with whoever was the sergeant, I guess. And the sergeant goes, why didn't you just show him your license? And he goes, no. He said, no, because I know what this is. Now, the uncle, who is the uncle of his best friend, he just, he remained silent. He just sat back. He said, you know, what is this all about? He said, either you're going to go ahead and take her to jail or you're going to let them go. All this is unnecessary. You got all these police cars, but these two young people, they're clearly not a threat. Like, what is this really about? But now looking back at it in hindsight as a grown, grown, a real mature adult, I understand. 
understood what was taking place. So that's when the uncle leaned down to him. He said, I promise you, I'm going to take care of you. He said, give me your license. Can I get your license out of your pocket? He said, nothing's going to happen to you because I know you're good. He said, can, can you just please, I, I want to prove a point. So he said, all right. So he got his wallet out of his pocket. He took the license. He said, go ahead and run it. They ran it, came back, nothing. He complained, never had a ticket before in his life, ever. Clean record the whole night. So that whole, so he said, okay, so he's clean. So what are we going to do now? So being that he's clean, that means he can drive her home because his license is fine. You know what they did? Just what? to be nasty? Nope. We're going to take her to jail. <gasps> wow. Mm -hmm. So you got arrested mm -hmm. when you got arrested. Yes, for I that. did. And they could, yes. they could have just, now here's a weird thing. I was just having a conversation with Matt about something like this the other day. We were talking about, I had to wait till I was 18 to drive. And I remember, and I was like, but you know, when I was 17, I would still drive. I would drive my friend's car. I had no license. I got pulled over one day because I didn't use a turn signal. Mm -hmm. So the cop comes up. He's like, Hey, you know, driver license and registration. And I'm like, you know what? I just had to run to the store and get my mom's cigarettes. And I totally forgot my driver's license at home. And he was like, all right, well, you know, don't forget it next time. This was in Buenaventura Lakes. That would have Boggy never Creek, taken place. On Boggy Creek Road. That would have never taken place. It would have never taken place with a black person. It no. would have never taken place. I know it sounds crazy and hard to believe, I don't think but it never hard. would have taken place. Well, I don't think it's crazy and um, hard to believe because I watch the news and I see the stories that happen. Um, but it's such, it, it's, a, just, it's such a different it's just, contrast from, from you and me. And, and, yeah, and, and, because and, you know what? The white man is actually giving the benefit of the doubt, and we're not. We're not. And the crazy part about it is, let me tell you something. When I was in that police car on the way to jail, the police officer driving in the jail, he said, what are you doing with a thug like that? You can do so much better. You're such a pretty girl. I'm saying to myself, if anything, I'm the thug because I'm the one around here with a suspicion. Like yes, you the thug, bitch. You are the thug. That's funny. Now, was the cop this white? This boy is actually in college. Yes, he was white. Okay. This boy is actually in college. He, he's one year away from graduating. I'm not even in college. I'm in the club. I'm in club college. I'm in the club every weekend. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm in the literal club every weekend. He's in college. He got a clean license. My license bad. What you mean? If anything, I'm the dog. It, 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 I'm just saying it's crazy. It was crazy to me. I was like, what? That's when I realized right there. Okay, this is exactly what my parents were talking about. This is it right here. And if they would have had that conversation with you, like they have with your brother, um, the talk, you probably would have been more aware of what was going on instead of being like, no, just no, show your license. No, I wouldn't because I was stupid. No, I wouldn't because I was stupid. I was stupid. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have. I know me. It, it just, it would have went right over my head. I was stupid. I just, I just thought life was just skittles, rainbows, and now later, honey. No. Okay. What, how does those situations and how you grew up and the state of the world now, how does that influence you and prepare you to raise your two boys? Because you'll have to have the talk with them. When I tell you I'm, I'm scared to death. 
I am. When I tell you I'm scared, this is the first time I've vocalized it to anybody, but I'm scared. I am terrified. You know, thank God their father is a, you know, he get on my damn nerves. I'm not going to lie. But at the same time, he's a very strong man and he's very smart and he's calm and down to earth. So I thank God for that, the way he can relay it to them to where I feel like he'll be able, they'll be able to get it. Because with me, as cool as I may seem as a friend, you know, or, or associate or whatever, I truly believe as a parent, I'm totally different in a sense of not a nervous wreck, but I think the children will be able to sense the nervous energy and pretty much be like, oh my God, mom is so dramatic. Like, oh my God, she's right. killing me. You know, and I don't, and they, they don't, they don't absorb the energy. They don't absorb, absorb the information if you're coming across with that kind of energy. So I think that him, their father, he will balance it out and be able to get it across for them and, you know, to them. So it's going to be hard for me. You know, I just, especially when it's time for them to start driving, Lord Jesus, honey, I look young now, but I'm going to look too much than 12 (laughs) when they start driving. But you know what? I don't even think it's about driving. I think it's about any... Any young black kids, you know, it's so it's so bizarre to me because you know I, I'm I'm white, <laughs> and mm-hmm. not, yes, yeah. Well, I'm a black woman inside, mm-hmm. but outside I'm white. Mm-hmm. And, but you know, when I'm growing up, it's don't go near any cars that somebody could kidnap you. You know, don't steal. You know, things like that. There isn't a conversation where a parent sits down and goes, okay, listen, if a cop stops you, be polite, you know, do what they say, don't talk back, make you know, all, there's a list of things that black parents have to tell their kids, which is absurd. Uh-huh. Where, where white but people- But the thing of it is, it's not just limited to cops, but it's not just limited to cops. It's just in general. It's a thing of- you respect your elders, period. Like that is the, I don't know, as far as that's, what, that's the way I was raised. I don't know what the, the, the people are saying to their children now, but as far as me being a 70s baby, that's the way that we were raised as people of color. You respect your, all of your elders. You just respect them and you don't talk back. You know, you don't question them. You just, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. You know, of course, if they're trying to do something crazy, you know, you right. resist or run for your life. But for the most part, no, you you respect your elders and that's it. So I don't, the world is so totally different now from when we came up. So with human trafficking. Well, when we came up, when we were raised, when we were growing up, our parents were like, if you continue to act like that, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I don't think that happens mm-hmm. anymore. I think now parents are like, oh, coddle, coddle, coddle. <laughs> well, well, if you are, then you're raising your kids mm-hmm. not to be assholes when they're adults. Because I always say like, you know, we get on the airplane and parents are like, I'm like, hi, your kid needs to wear their seatbelt. He doesn't listen to me. Well, I can't fucking help you. If your kid don't listen to you, I don't give a fuck. If Hello. he hits his head on the top Hello. of the overhead bin, I don't care. Hello, like one of my good friends used to say to the people on the plane, listen, you better, you better raise them now or the judge going to raise them later. (laughs) That's really good. 
How do you think of police now? Because, you know, we see in the news, you know, cops, there's crooked cops, but there's also good cops. There's also yes, there are good cops. Well, why don't they? Why don't they call out the bad cops, the good cops? Why don't they? You know, the whole blue lives matter thing that annoys me to no end. It annoys me it, because what do you mean blue lives matter? There's no such thing as blue lives. There's no blue any like stop. Um, for me, I don't. I believe that, and I have to believe this. I have to believe that the majority of police are decent. I have to believe that. Yes. But I believe the that. whole I believe entire that. judicial system, the judicial system as a whole is not. It's corrupt. Oh, yeah, for Majority sure. of police are decent, but the judicial system itself as a whole is corrupt because what we have to do is we have to understand and go back in time and understand that the whole entire judicial system and even when you throw in the Constitution, all, all of it, it wasn't designed for people of color. It was not designed for us. When the Constitution was written, honey, we was property. That's true. So You're that was right. not designed for us. It's not supposed to benefit us. And then when you start talking about the judicial system and the whole uh, criminal and what is it, the incarceration and all of that, when you start talking about that whole entire area, you have to understand that that right there is all about profit. It's about profit. And, you know, the 13th Amendment, and I suggest everybody to watch that documentary, it is so enlightening and it's real because for the most part, Yes, slavery was illegal. It was deemed as being illegal and inhumane until the whole, you know, with the whole Thirteenth Amendment coming into play. But once you once you become a criminal, all of your rights are taken away, and pretty much you are a slave or what they want to call a warden of the state or whatever. And it's basically slavery all over again. It's just it's just free labor is what it is. So. What a lot of people don't understand, I'm not going to say a lot of people, I'm going to say a lot of white people who are privileged, who don't understand. When you start talking about the justice system and you start talking about how people are sentenced, black people are sentenced and people of color are sentenced way harsher than white folks. And people are like, oh, well, you just don't do the crime. This is like, yeah, you're right, but you got to understand that it was designed to where certain crimes why you said they call it white collar crime? Right. White collar crime, you get a lesser sentence than a different crime over here, a blue collar crime. And that's basically in order to aid in, okay, making sure that people of color, black and brown people, are sentenced harsher than white people because the average white person is not going to, they're not going to commit a crime like, so they think. They think the average white person is not going to be out, you know, selling crack or, you know, whatever, whatever. So, you know what? We're going to make sure that we sentence them harsher. But, oh, if you basically uh, steal everybody's retirement or you tip off different entities that a certain stock is going to plummet or that you need to dump stock, guess what? Yeah, that's that's a white color farm. So, you know what? We're not going to sentence you as harsh. Now, keep in mind, you have destroyed 
thousands upon thousands of lives of retirement where people are now going to be poor, right. but you only going to serve two, three years? Really? That's worse than selling crap. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. What's that story about that woman? And I know you'll know because I know you're going to know all the black stories. Um, and that's don't worry, people. We can talk like that. But what is that story? We can. we can. What was that story about that? The woman who like used a different address for her kid yeah. to go to school and yeah. she got yeah. in trouble and she got like put in jail for how many years? Like five years or something? 15, I believe. No, 15. They sentenced her to like 10 or 15 years. And then, yeah. and then you got Felicity Huffman who spent like 10 days in jail for basically paying to alter somebody's. And listen, it, you know, it's, it's, SAT it's the judicial. Scores. Like I said, I, I have to believe that most policemen are different and decent. But the judicial system in itself, the whole thing, it's not. It's corrupt. Right. And that's the way it was designed. It's by sheer design. It's by a lot of this stuff. And I think that a, the problem that most black people have, the ones that are kind of like versed a little bit on the topic of racism and inequality and disenfranchisement when you start really breaking it down and peeling the layers back on that a lot of that goes down to the very core of how this country was built and i think as black people we're just pissed off with the whole notion that we don't deserve any kind of reparations when here it is you have compensated the indians for what you've done even if you didn't compensate them enough, you didn't comp- you compensated them something, you compensated the Indians for what they've done. You compensated the Asians for, you know, whatever disenfranchisement they have suffered or tortured. Like, everybody has gotten some sort of payment or some sort of peace offering except for black people. And anytime that conversation comes up as far as reparations for black people, it's, it's always shut down or it's just dismissed or, oh, you know, oh, they're always whining. They're always crying and, oh, they always want a handout. They want something for free. And it's like, wait a minute. What do you mean? And like, oh, you're all just lazy. So we're lazy. But let me get this straight. We're lazy. But y'all are a group of people, the white people, not, you know, your ancestors. Mm-hmm. They are so lazy that you went to a whole other continent, continent to enslave people to do a job that y'all don't want to do. But we're lazy. <laughs> but we're lazy. Right. Well, how would e- how would reparations even begin? Like, do you have an idea of say someone would say it was like, you okay, know, what? this is Honestly, what we're going to do. Like, where could they begin? I'm going to be all the way real with you. Okay, please. In order for them to give reparations to black folks, it would actually bankrupt the whole entire country. Pretty much. It yeah. would dismantle the whole system. If you wanted to like really, really say, you know what, we're going to give for real reparations and we're going to compensate the ancestors or the, 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 the descendants from the slave trade and all of that, it, 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 would, it would bankrupt the whole entire country because whether people want to realize it or whether people really know, Black folks we literally built this country. Literally. Yes. Literally, like, for real, for real. 
everything for, about it. We real. did. Yeah, for real. Like the White House. Like, so, yeah, you can, so honestly, we can't be repaid. It's not even just about the White House. It's just the invention. Like the cell phone was invented by a black man. Like it's just you. You we can't be repaid. When you really think about it on the grand scheme of things, you we can't. What do you think? You you use the term peace offering because you said you know with the Indians with the Asians you said that you know there was a peace offering with the white people giving it to them. What is a peace offering that? comes to mind that the white people and that's running the country or whatnot, if they're not could do to, for a peace offer, a peace offering, Jesus, peace offering with, um, Ooh, have another sip of wine. Yeah, I know I'm, I am. I've only had your, three. Your palate was dry. Your palate is dry. I can spit, I can barely spit out the words. How, um, can <laughs> white people do a peace offering with African-Americans like, uh, what what would you even suggest? I don't even know. You know that show Wife Swap? What? Do you ever heard of the show Wife Swap? I have. Okay. Swap. Let's do yes. Life Swap. Life oh, swap. I see what you're saying. Let's do Life Swap. Honey, do you oh, really want my, do you want to have anal all the time? Oh, wait a minute, you probably do anyway. Li- oh, I kind of <laughs> like it though. You might. Like um, it. Life swap. So what you're saying is let you know swap. Remember when I talked to you about this short story idea that I had, where go back all the way to like 1830, 1840, and the slaves of the time revolt. They take over the country, and then. You fast forward to 1985, where now, what's the world look like when the black people have enslaved white people? And you said, honey. You de- I do remember you and, talking about that. Uh, but yeah. what you got to understand is black people by nature, by nature. That. And we, that's what you we're said. Not, we're not. We just wouldn't. We, that's just not us. We're so damn forgiven. We so forget. We forgive every. Saying, oh, you sold my baby. Oh, no problem. I forgive you, Jesus. Jesus told me to forgive. And that, and I and I know a lot of you got Christians listening to your podcast, baby. They're gonna be so mad at me. But no, religion is the reason why black folks are in the position that they're in. That well, is why we the, are in the position. Because because instead that's of getting why we're angry, in the position that we're in. Because instead of getting angry. Back 150 years ago, it was, well, this is what Jesus expects of us. Uh-huh, 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 you know, uh-huh. I, I've That's read, what it is. Yeah. I've read quite a lot of stories regarding that, where this the slaves back in the 1840s or whatnot would be like, well, you know, Jesus loves me. But that's the, that's the problem. Yeah. The problem is this. And granted, you and I, would, on this area, we're different. Do I believe in God? Yes, I do. Do I believe in religion? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. But do I believe there's a higher power? Yes, I do. I do. I, I do. I pray all that good stuff. But as far as that goes, I feel like this is my thing. How does this make sense? Let me break this down for you. Joe, you're my slave, right? Okay. And I got the Bible. And on Sundays, you get a little bit of a day off on Sundays because I make you come to church mm-hmm. and I'm preaching the Bible to you. So, how is it 
the same God that me as being the master and your owner, I'm serving. How are you serving the same God? And how am I expecting for that same God to rescue me and save me? Whose side he going to be on? Master or yours? Right. I don't understand it. Do you I get it? don't understand it. I don't understand because if it's it one makes, God. And that's why black folks are in the position that they are in because for the most part, I hate to say it, most part, black, for the most part. How many black atheists have you ever met? How many what? Black atheists have you ever met? Not, um, not many. I think that if I have met some black folks that are not full-blown, like, on board with organized religion there is some part of them that's like well i don't know like you like i don't believe in organized religion but there is a a higher power up there that's the point i'm making but how many atheists have you ever met i don't think any i don't think any exactly exactly so in my opinion for the most part religion organized or not is what keeps black people mentally enslaved because that's what that's what a forgiving part comes in. Because your root in just by the generational thought process and the mentality being passed down generation over generation of this whole ideology of, you know, you live by God's word and the Ten Commandments and you do right by people and you're submissive and you're forgiving. That is what keeps people enslaved, black folks. That's what I believe. I'm sorry. I believe that. I believe that all day long. Religion and the whole, that whole thought process, that is what keeps us enslaved. Because in subconsciously, it's like, I can't revolt because the revolt means that at some point I might have to kill somebody and God is against me killing somebody. So what do I do? Right. And then you're, you're sitting there and you're, you're, you're praying to a God who is, is allowing the white man to enslave you because in the Bible, it says the white man shall enslave you. Hello. So yeah, you're you're talking to the atheist guy here. You're talking to the person who I don't understand. I don't understand how women follow the Bible because they should be slaves too to their men. So I don't Listen, understand. Any let, of it. My mama talks about that all the time about how, which I was shocked when she brought it to me. My mom's whole thing is like, listen, there's some things in the Bible that make sense. She was like, but a lot, but there's a lot of things that don't make sense to her. She said, you know, when you really get into reading the Bible, she was like, it really depicts women as being very low down and evil and worthless people. So as a woman, it's weird to try to even go by that. You know what I mean? Right. So it is like every story that involves a woman is always her being foul or doing something that's wrong or it's always something crazy. So it's like, wait a minute. It's like almost like the Bible doesn't favor women. You have a couple of stories out of about 30 to a couple of stories where it depicts a woman as being good and virtuous and all that good stuff. For the most part, it's just always her being foul or there's some sort of bad story which is weird they they make men do crazy things you know i remember 
when um, the whole gay marriage thing was going on and they were voting for mm -hmm. it and it was big in the news, it was all over the news. And I was reading lots of articles and stories where, you know, a large amount of the black population were against it. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't wrap my brain around it because I was like, well, I would think they would say, whoa, we understand having mm -mm. people try to hold us down. We understand this. But it's that Bible where it's, it's Bible. it they hold on to that and that you know they don't look at it and say, Wow, here's a group of people it's who so you know, hypocritical. It really it's is so hypocritical. It really is because you and don't, it yeah. just, for me, I don't get it. Like I just I, I don't get it. Don't try to get me to explain it because I don't understand it. I don't even know where to begin with it. I know one of my classmates that I went to high school with, he said, you know what? Black women love to hang out and hang out and they love gay men until they have a black gay son. Oh wow, that's interesting. And baby, when he said that, I said you I said you right. Now the other because this was at my class reunion. Okay. Now the other Black women was like, no, this is the matter, whatever. I said, you are 100% right. I said, I get exactly where you're coming from. And I said, now, don't think that I'm saying I would have a problem. He goes, no, I know you wouldn't have a problem with it because I know you and I know how you roll. He said, but these other ones? Yeah. I said, yeah, that's how they are. Because it's just, I hate to say it, but a lot of times women like to treat gay men as accessories. And because it's the end thing, and when I say that annoys me to no end, it just, it just annoys me. And I think the reason why it annoys me is because it's no different than people outside of the black race trying to use a black person as the accessory or the trend. Oh, this is my black friend. Oh, see, I got black friends. Mm -hmm. it's, they do the same thing with gay people. Oh, I got gay friends. Oh, this is my gay friend right here. And it's like, what is that? That When I tell you that shit annoys me to no end, it annoys me. Why do people, do black people boast about having white friends? Do you say, oh, no, you know my white friend? No, we don't. Now that we don't do. You don't do We that. don't do that because that's weird. Like, we, you just don't do it. It's, it's nothing that's conscious. It's not, it's not like a conscious thing. It's just, you just don't do it. So I don't understand when, uh, if, when a white person says, you know, oh, this is such my black friend. Like, I don't, why does the color have to be noted? I don't get that. That part I don't understand. And I've had people to do that. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't do that to you. So right. why is that even, you know, like that's not my makeup. Right. That doesn't, that's not the, the main part of me. Yes, I, I happen to be black, but it's like, that's not what, you know, engulfs me as a person. That's not just who I am. Like, okay, I like to drink a lot. You know, I've had several sexual partners. Like, let's name some other characteristics besides me being black. You know what I mean? There's so many more things about people than the color of their skin or their sexuality. Exactly. And that's what I don't understand about black people. The one they don't understand the whole gay plight. It's like, uh, just like you don't want to be just looked at as just being a black person, they don't want to be looked at as just being a gay person. How could you not understand shit?
listen, let's, I want to ask you about the honeypot company, you know, Beatrice Deekson, this has all been in the news lately. She did an ad. Mm -hmm. She has that honeypot honey pot company, which is a feminine product company, company, if I'm correct. Right. And she did an ad. Yes, it is. She did an ad for Target. And she said something. I, I watched the ad like three times because I was trying to find out why the White Devils came out after her. I asked, you know what? I'm not even going to do it. I, I asked you. I asked you. You asked me what? Not to use that term. You know, I not love to saying use the, the term white, white devils. I don't like saying white supremacists. I like to say white devils because they come, they just swoop in when you don't expect it. So. The white de- the white devils just attacked her on social media. So I'm trying to like I'm calling her a racist. So I was like, let me watch this video. Let me see what's going on. So I watched it like two or three times, and the only thing I could pick up that they might have thought was racist is at one point she says something like, you know, hopefully a young black girl who sees me as an entrepreneur will know that they can do whatever they want to do. They can like it was like when Obama was president. Yeah. Like, look, yeah. you can do yeah. anything you want. Don't let anybody hold you down. So okay. do you think that's what it was? Um, what you have to understand is this, and I know for you, you might think that I'm just being out there and you might think I done had too many bottles of wine because I'm on my second one. Oh, but I know you're like, bitch, don't you got kids? I'm like, listen, mind your business. Mind your business. Um, anyway. I don't ask questions. I don't want to know the answers to. <laughs> Go ahead, ma'am. Here's the thing. When it comes down to it, and I know you've heard this before, black people have to work twice, sometimes three times as hard to get a half of what a white person gets. And with black women, it's even worse. That's why, and this is fact, you can look this up. That is why you, you look it up, to look up the, the statistics, black women are the most educated group in this country. We are more educated than Asians, men and women. We are more educated than white men and women. We're more educated than Indians, men and women, Hispanic men and women. We are the most educated in this group as far as in this this country. We're the most educated group. So when she said the whole statement about, oh, I just want, you know, black girl to see that she can do it too. So many times, black women try to be entrepreneurs, you know, try to do different things, and they're denied. Whereas a white woman or an Asian woman will come along and try to apply for this grant, that grant, and they get denied. Now, keep in mind, the grant is supposed to be for women, or it's supposed to be for minorities, whatever, and we still end up getting denied. And... I think for her, she felt the need to use her platform to encourage other black women. Because what happens is when you hear so many stories as a young black woman that, oh, you know, I tried to do this or I got this idea, but I needed this loan, I needed that loan, and I got denied. What happens is that stuff is like a disease or a virus that seeps in the mind. And other young black women start to think, you know what, I'm not going to even try it because so-and-so tried to do it and you see how good she is and they denied her. So I think she used her platform to encourage other 
you know, black women or women, minority women to keep going no matter what, because hell, she kept going and look at her, you know, she's trying to basically shatter the glass ceiling and she's about to do that if she hasn't already done it. Because I think from all of the racist comments back and forth and the backlash and other people coming back in and saying, you know what, no, we're going to rally and support her and lift her up. I want to say her sales was like doubled or tripled in a day the next day after all of that whole racist rant nonsense back and forth comments or ratings or whatever the reviews they were doing. So with her and her whole journey, you know, as far as black folks who are always from the beginning of time or they our existence in this country, as as soon as we set foot on its soil. It was always ingrained in us from our ancestors is that we don't leave anybody behind or you go back and you pull other people up or you go back and you help others, you know? So I think for her, that was her way of reaching back or part of her way of reaching back and saying, you know what, I'm going to make sure that I encourage and uplift the people coming behind me. Now, as far as the white folk who looked at it as being racist, they know that's not being racist. First of all, let's, let's define racism okay i think people get the definition of racism and prejudice mixed up prejudice is pretty much hate a group just to hate a group just because of their color their skin or because of their origin or their ethnicity or they look a certain way or because they smell a certain way whatever that that's what prejudice is when you start talking about racism racism is basically to use your power to oppress a group of people And when you're using that power, you're using it through institutionalized power, financial power, those type of powers in order to hold a group of people down. Now, let me ask you this. When people say, oh, that black person is racist, how can a black person be racist? It's impossible for us to be racist by by sheer definition of the word racism. Right, because you're not holding anybody down. We don't have the power to hold anybody down. We don't own no financial institutions. We don't own any prisons. We only make up 12% of the population. How many of us are in Congress? Like, we don't, we, we're not, we're not powerful like that. We don't have that type of power in order to oppress anybody. We can't redline anybody. Like, there's redlining. We can't do that. We, we can't stop a person from getting a loan to get a damn house or to open a business. We can't stop somebody from getting into a college. We can't stop somebody from getting into a neighborhood or moving into a neighborhood. We don't have that kind of power. White people have that kind of power. So we cannot be racist by sheer definition of the word racism. We can't. So when she did what she did, it struck a nerve with them because I truly believe that a lot of the older white people, because I feel like younger white people don't even give a shit. It's like, whatever, let's live together in peace and call it a day. The older white generation, they're trying to keep this, I hate to call it disease, but this disease of racism, they're trying to keep it alive because they're trying to keep their bloodline strong. And what's happening is the whole, and this is just me, I could be crazy. Well, you are crazy, but... Oh, I am crazy. I know I am. When you start thinking about the whole abortion bill, about, you know, plant, uh, Planned Parenthood and all that stuff, and them trying to basically control a woman's choices, that has nothing to do with 
oh, we're trying to save these babies and this and that. They don't give a fuck about them kids. <laughs> they sure don't give a fuck about them unborn kids because if y'all care so much about the kids, why y'all ain't doing something about the whole orphanage system? Right. Why y'all not doing something about the whole system of people being homeless? Why y'all not dealing with that? Why are you worrying about what babies are born or unborn? That has nothing to do with it. The bottom line is y'all trying to keep the white population strong. Because what's happening is white women are not having as many kids as they do. Black right. women and especially Hispanic women, they're having more kids. So what's going to happen is they're going to start to officially, eventually outnumber white people. So they're trying to keep that shit alive is what's happening. Well, it's um, I just read in a book called Why We're Polarized by Ezra Klein, and I think it's by 2050 or 2060, white people will not be the majority. And that's just there's and no, there's no way to stop about. it. There's no way to stop it. It's just going to happen. It's going to it's coming. So I think white mm-hmm. people are they have that white fear of losing control. You know, it came yes. all, you know, you know why, but you know why they have that fear though, right? Tell me. The reason why white people have that fear of losing control is because they think that we're going to treat them the way they treated us. Absolutely. You know, back when, the but that ain't not, that's by DNA. We can't do that. That's just not us. We're not designed that way. We don't do that. But this has been going on for, for decades. This has been going on, you know, once, um, the 13th Amendment was signed, you know, and if you don't know what the 13th Amendment is, it's the abolish of slavery. Once that was assigned, it mm-hmm. was it was like, OK, the black people are free. And then the white people were like, whoa, now they're free. Mm-hmm. They're going to try to take us over. So now we mm-hmm. have to set up all these rules to keep them at mm-hmm. bay. So you go mm-hmm. you go fight for your life in the World War Two. You go you go mm-hmm. die for your country. But if you come back. We're probably not going to give you a loan for a house. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. because, and I'm white, so I'm not trying to bash, you know, this, is, this isn't, I, I truly believe most white people don't think like that still, but you have the white devil sprinkled in, right? And um, they don't think like that, but you got to also understand that white people have been coddled for the most part to live in this bubble that they live in and be treated a certain way to where they don't know no different. They don't know what it's like in the, to walk in the day of life of a black person or a Spanish person or Latin person, I should say, or an Asian person. It's different. Like, they don't know what it's like to deal with, prime example, something as simple as this. Long time ago, I was at work and I was at lunch with some coworkers. I'm the only black girl sitting at the table. A song comes on the radio. And they're like, oh, who sings this? They're like, oh, my God, I love this song, whatever, whatever. One of the males in the group goes, yeah, I can't remember who sings this. He looks right at me and goes, Keisha, who sings? It was a black artist. Keisha, who sings this? Why are you looking at me? <laughs> Why are you asking me who thinks it? Because I'm right. black and the person's black. Like stuff like that. Another situation, when I used to instruct my little whole pole classes or whatever, it was a new dance craze coming out or whatever. And the dance, I didn't, I'm old. I don't know the damn dance. So I'm the only black person up in there. 
And they're like, oh, my God, I want to learn this dance so bad. Keisha, you know how to do it. Show us the dance. Oh, because I'm black. I right. know the dance. Like, right. it's little simple things like that. Now, I know you might feel like that's being sensitive, but it's little things like that. I'm guilty of that. I am guilty of that. Um, there was a book. You, you remember the movie Precious, right? Yes. And it was based off a book called Push. And I read the mm -hmm. book and I was like, this is incredible. And I recommended it to a black person that I knew. I didn't recommend it to a white person. I was like, you'll probably enjoy this book. I did. And you know the person I recommended it to. It actually built our friendship. But when you say that, it makes me realize in my brain. But me, I don't different. think it is. I that's think it's different. the same thing that you it just is different. said. Let me tell you why it's different. Tell me. That has nothing to do with it. And the reason why that's different is because you felt like that person would be able to relate. That's different. Okay. All right. It's different. Okay. No, when you say it like that, I agree. I, I, I can see that point. But no, that's in, different. In, that's, a, that's apples and oranges. That's totally different. Okay. Well, thank you for making me feel better. <laughs> I was like, oh, <laughs> shit, I've done that. No, that's different. No, that's different. That's that's different. You felt like they would be able to relate. You, you really, what white, would say me one white person that's going to read that book and be able to be like, oh, my God, that was so, you, it's only a couple. Right, right. Me being one. <laughs> but, um, exactly. But, so okay, so that makes sense. So there's a difference between saying, hey, you should, this, I, this book was great. You might relate to it then saying, Hey, Keisha, there's a black singer on the radio. Who is that? It's just, yeah, that, that right. Uh, it, it, it get, granted, I wasn't like so like mad or it wasn't that I found it to be funny. I was just like, wow. You know, like, okay. It's just stuff like that. I don't get riled up about. I don't because I already know what it is. And if you know what it is, what you get mad for, you know, it's just, Racism is taught. Racism is racism is taught. You teach racism. You know, I remember being a little kid. So uh, let me share some honesty with you because you've been honest with me. My mom was a racist. And I don't mean like, oh, how like, oh, why she didn't like black people. No, Her, she had a cat that she had. And the name was the N word. And it was a black cat. So my mom had a black cat in the sixties and she would buy, did you hang up? No. Um, and she, she okay. So yeah. Let Mama me say, was a gangster. Stop it. Just made my bronchitis. <laughs> you just irritated my bronchitis. Um, Mama was a gangster. So my mom was, um, very racist. She, um, I was not alive when she had this cat with the N word. I won't say it. Um, but she would boast about it. She would talk about it. She was proud of this. And I can remember growing up hearing these stories and thinking, there's something wrong with this. This isn't right. This isn't normal. Um, she dropped out of the ninth grade. She went to Hartford High School. It was a predominantly black high school in the 60s. And she dropped out like after the second week of the ninth grade. And I remember mm. when I would ask her, I would be like, why did you, why would you drop out of high school? Because she used the N word. We're always harassing me. So I don't know who taught my mother this racism, but you know, obviously it was her family. But, but hold on, wait a minute. Here's the thing. I get it. 
accept what you're saying, but do you know whether it's true or false about this, about you know her being hurt or not? I'm using the word being harassed. Oh no, I don't know and if it, that's they true. Listen, because let me tell you something. What I learned about humans: humans will get disrespected or have some sort of discord with one particular person, and that one particular person might belong to a particular group, and then they hate that particular group just based upon the experience that they had with that one person. Like, let's say uh, a man had a son that was promising, and, you know, he was about to go away to college, and then a drunk driver ended up hitting him, and that drunk driver ended up being a black guy right? and killed his son. At that point, now he hates all black people. Stuff like that happens. And it even happens with black people. You know, situations where they happen where something happened with their child and the child is getting killed and they happen to be a white person and they end up hating a white person. Which is crazy to me because my thing is, if it was a black person, you wouldn't end up hating all black people because you're black. If it was a white person, you wouldn't end up hating all white people because you're white. You know, but mm-hmm. people, humans, unfortunately, we I don't know why we do that, but we do. Well, it's because... So it's, I say all like it, to say... Go ahead. Is it true? Is it false that she was being harassed by, you know, people of color the way she felt like, okay, now I hate them all? Well, it sounds like it it was an excuse. I believe that it was an excuse. You know, she needed an excuse to drop out of high school. She probably didn't like going to high school. So why not blame the black folks? But, (laughs) But as I was growing up and going back to, I believe, racism is taught because at this fucking point in 2020, there should be no racism. You should be like black, white, no, green, orange, or give a fuck. Right. So the fact it that be no racism, there should be no it racism, be no homophobia, it shouldn't be none of that. I don't understand it. I don't, I don't. And I guess the thing about homophobia, I just don't understand why people are so invested with other people in their relationship and who they love. I don't get it. That is the most confusing shit to me. Why are you trying to regulate with who somebody live in a house with and who they love? That is so weird. I don't. That is so weird. Who cares? That is so fucking weird to me. Well, it's because who it's, it's cares. It's the us. You're. It's anything different. You know, my husband Matt says if everyone looked the same. If everyone had the same, if everyone was like a latte, right? Say everyone was a latte with brown hair. Everybody looked the same. There was no color. Everyone was the same. But everyone's ears were different. You'd hate, some people would hate the bitches with small ears. Some people would hate the bitches with big ears. If you didn't have ears, you were probably not even going to get a job. And so, (laughs) but that's how, that's how I actually can process it all by, by that one example that it doesn't matter gay straight black white asian whatnot you are different so you are not me and i don't like it and that is where the racism and i believe you know the hate towards the gays and also the fear that white people have that they're not going to be in control anymore i don't know it's still for me. It's just, I mean, it's so weird. It's just, why do you care? Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, let's just love each other. Let's live life and drink wine and get smashed and wake up in the morning or the afternoon and just live life all over again. I don't understand. It's so simple. 
Well, it is so simple, and but we haven't been able to master that because we're all so different. And there's just some people, some people cannot handle diversity. Some people cannot handle somebody different. They don't look at somebody different and say, wow, that person's a different culture. That person's a different color. I could learn something from that person. Mm-hmm. People don't no, do that. they're not going to do that. They don't want to do, do that. That's you know, not going to happen. A lot of people say, what? No, you're different than me. There's nothing I could learn from you. I'm going to fold my arms. I'm going to stick my nose up in the air. But you know what? A lot of it, too, it all does. It, a lot of it comes down to classism as well. It really does. Like, you know, I notice just from different people that I encounter, whether it's at work or just, you know, friend of a friend. But people kill me with this whole thing of I have to live in a certain area around a certain type of people. And, oh, where do you live? Oh, okay. Uh, oh, you live here? Really? Oh, well, what do you do? That's the next That's the next topic. That's the next question. Basically, they're saying, how can you afford to live where I live? So a lot of it, too, it does, it, it comes down to classism as well, racism, classism, yeah. And they really go hand in hand when you think about it. Because think about it, when you start talking about the real estate industry in this country as far as levels and elitism and classism, it really bothers I hate to say white folk, but it bothers white folk for a brown person to be able to live next to them. Not all white people. Right. Not all. Not all but white there, people, but there are some. Group. No, not all. There, there's some. It's a, it's a small group where, you know, unfortunately, it's a small group remaining, I should say, because the group was bigger 20 years ago. But now it's a small group remaining to where they feel like if you are a person of color, whether you're black, whether you're brown, whether you're Asian and Latino, they feel like you shouldn't be allowed or you shouldn't be able to afford to live where I live. And and they will literally go and put the house on the market. That's where the term there goes the neighborhood comes from. Well, that's, that's, that's still called the white flight where white people leave the neighborhood because, oh, there's diversity moving in. I don't know how I feel about that. But I think those are older people. I don't, you know, I'm hoping that those are the older folks and not the newer generation. Older folks as in what? Because, you know, some people will call me and you old right now. So older folk as in what age? Because, Uh, honey, you still got some that's in like the 50s that's still doing that nonsense. I'm 48. I'm almost And I ain't too far away from 50. So you not either. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, It's just, it's the ignorant people. We should just call them what they are. That's ignorance. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's ignorant to say, how can you afford to live in this neighborhood? It's ignorant to say, oh, this neighborhood's going down. Oh, there goes the neighborhood. It's ignorant to say those things. So those are the people that are probably never going to change. Those are the people that are no. going to teach their children this shit. But hopefully mm-hmm. it's the the pool is getting smaller as the decade. It's taken. For, it is. It's taken. I forever. have that hope that it yeah. is. I mean, it's taken a long time. I really do. Time. I have that hope. It, it is. And honestly, I think you and I won't truly see it. By the time we see it, you and I will be holding hands in a nursing home, giving a nurse hail. 
But um, that would be amazing. It, it's not. No, yeah, we're gonna be giving the nurse hell cussing her ass out, asking her what time happy hour is, and she's gonna be like, "We don't serve alcohol here." We're like, "All right, bitch, get your mouth up." I'm gonna shit my pants, just, but, even if I don't, even if I don't have to, I'm gonna. <laughs> yeah, so I don't, I don't think that it is going to happen in our lifetime per se. But I do have hope in the millennials because I have this belief that music and entertainment bridges gaps. Mm. And it brings all walks of life together. And it unites us. That's just my belief. Music right. and entertainment. It does because young folks, young folks don't care about, oh, this artist is black or white. All they know is I like the way it sounds and it's cool. Right. Brings people together. You know, Music brings people together. It brings yeah. people together. Yes. Yeah. So I think that that would be like, you know, something that is contagious and it'll continue to press on and bring more and more generations and people together to try to weed out all this nonsense and racism. And I do believe that by 20, I think before 2050, I honestly think by 2040, you will see that there will be more and more mixed couples, races, you'll see more, you know, couples. I hate, I don't want to call them gay couples. I call them couples. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like the, the term, I just don't, because it's more than that. I feel like you'll have more couples together to where, whether they're same sex, yes or no, whatever, they'll have their kids and their kids will be together playing with a couple over here that may not be same sex and they'll be best friends and that couple that is same sex is friends with a couple that's not same. I just, it is just, it won't matter. It won't matter. You say by 2040? Are you good people I hope so. or no? Yeah. yeah. That would be nice. By 2040. Hopefully 2030. I would, I never thought I would see um, equality in marriage. I never thought I would get married. Never, ever. And if, see that happen. And 20, it happened yeah, before would, you thought it would happen. Oh yeah, I never thought it so would. So that's why I'm saying yeah. 2030 or 2040, it might come faster than what we think. And it, it just all depends on who we put in leadership. And it also depends on the more we talk and communicate and dialogue with each other. And we can't just dialogue with people to where we have the same mindset. You gotta have the patience you got to have the compassion and you got to have the love in order to dialogue with other people who don't necessarily share your same opinions. Because if you're talking back and forth with people who share your same opinions, you're not getting nowhere. Right. I know you don't want to talk to people who have different opinions from you. She's my best friend. She's my bestie, honey. She's filling my glass back and forth. Yes, honey. She's filling my glass. Well, come on, come on. Fill it up. You're taking too long. Come on, man. What you doing? I'm about to fire you. Anyway, so yes. Remember when I asked you to you speak clearly? To I didn't even understand that whole sentence. All I heard was glasses passing, your best friend. And <laughs> I bet everybody listening to this episode right now was like, I don't even know what was Listen, saying. the black folk understood it. The black, <laughs> I mean, racist. The black folk understood it. <laughs> the black people understood it. But I don't know what that white devil's talking about hosting this podcast. Because I understood that bitch in a minute. <laughs> Let me, so let me, let me run something by you. So when I'm working on the airplane, 
somebody's acting stupid and I'm like, I have to get this gate agent, whatnot. I always worry that if the person is a minority, black, Asian, Middle Eastern, whatnot, if they're not white, I worry that, oh my God, if I hold these people accountable for this bad behavior, it's gonna be in the news. So I tend to sometimes allow certain people to get away with a little more because no, I don't want all do that, that drama. So tell me how to get you through that. You can't do that. I know, you but sometimes I do. For the most part, let's be real about it. Let's be always 100 about it. Okay. How often do black folk really act up on the plane? Um, I don't think they act up but I have had situations, I actually wrote about this in my book. This one gentleman came to the back and he said, um, can I sit in the exit route? He asked the other flight attendant I was working with. I was reading a book, cause you know, when I'm on the airplane, I don't give a fuck. So I was reading my book and he asked the other flight attendant, I'd like to move to the, can I sit in the exit row? And she goes, oh, of course you can, but there's an upgraded fee. And he acted like a fool and he said, oh, I bet if I was white, there wouldn't be a fee. And I oh got, I, got it. I, I put my book down and you know, if I stop reading, there's a problem. Yeah. And I said, yeah, I jumped right in. Cause he had her in tears now. And, and I said, what was that? Yeah. Cause now she feeling like shit. Now I'm going to get called, called a racist. Right. And, and so I jumped up. I was like, what was that? And he goes, Oh, nothing. I said, no, no, no. Cause you know me, I'll get fired tomorrow. I don't give a fuck. I said, what? No, no. What, what did you say, sir? I didn't hear you. And he goes, well, I'm sure if I was white, you wouldn't charge me. I'm like, sir, I would charge anybody green, purple, orange, two years old, a hundred years old. And he goes, I'm not talking to you. I said, well, now you are. So he went into the lab and the girl was all shaky. I was like, calm down. You're fine. <laughs> that bitch was acting. Like, I was like, settle down. This ain't about you no more. It's about me. So, okay. Uh, okay. Right, stop. I, got I, the floor now. I took over. Okay. I'm in charge. Flight attendant Joe's here. Go back to bed. So he comes out and he goes, are you going to let me sit in the exit row? And I was like, if you want to pay the upgraded fee. And in my mind, I'm thinking I'm treating him like I would treat anybody because nobody's getting a free upgrade, right? Even if you're hot, you're not getting a free upgrade. And when he dropped the race card thing, I was just like, Oh, that's, I was so disappointed. So that's why I think like, I sometimes is it like, I worry about, oh, you know, are they going to say, oh, this white guy said this. So how do I manage that? You can't really worry about that because my thing is, you know, that you're doing the right thing. That's how I look at it. Um, the only thing that I would advise, and this is just me, okay. everybody don't feel the way that I feel. The whole, I just can't stand, which granted, you used it at the right time. You did. What? I can't stand the term. I can't stand the term race color. I know. And when it slipped I out of my mouth, it. I was like, white devil. I hate it. But I'm not, I'm not knocking you for it because honestly, he did use the race card. He literally did. He used it. That, that call for you saying, oh, that's the race card. It really called for it. I don't like the whole term race card because white folk own the whole deck. So I can't get a card. <laughs> I can't get one card. Why aren't you Can doing stand up? Why aren't you doing stand up? Because that's hilarious. But it's so true. I'm just saying, but I can't get one card. I can't just get one. like the ace of spades, the big joker. Just one. 
so that's my whole thing about the race car. But no, he was really he was really using the race car, trying to use it to his advantage. And you do have some black folks that do do that. I understand why they do it. I don't agree with it. It, it hinders our progress, and it gives people who are against us the leverage to use. Oh, see, they lazy, or oh, they dishonest, or they they lack integrity. It gives it, it gives them that leverage to use against us. So that's why I don't like for them to, for different people, black folks, to use that tactic to get what they want. For the most part, in my and I would like to think because I'm not every black person. I don't speak for all black people. I'm speak for each one. I would like to think that most black people don't behave that way and use that type of advantage or whatever you want to call it. But you do have a, a small fraction that do use it. So for me, I would tell you, no, you're doing, I know you. And I know that you're not a racist or prejudiced person. You're not. I know that. I, I you know. Not. I don't I, think I, I, I just am. know it. No, you're not. Well, you I know what? Now you that was, you, I would tell you. All right. Now that you said that, I got to, Tell something honest again. I was in London once and I was on the train and some woman came in. She was in head to toe burka. I thought she was going to blow up the train and I jumped off. But other than that, no, mm. I'm good. Well, I guess I'm prejudiced. But anyway. <laughs> um... But then when I got off the train and it didn't blow up, I felt terrible. And I thought, oh, my God, am I that person? Am I that person that was so scared that something was going to happen. This woman is just taking the train from point A to point B and I get off the train because I've been so, you know, I don't, for me, I'm, you know what I'm going to say what that was for you? Tell me. That was ignorance. That was ignorance. Oh, it wasn't absolutely. prejudice. That was ignorance. That was so that ignorant. Was ignorant. See, yeah. prejudice would be, I don't like her just because she got that on. Right. I don't care what she's wearing. And I'm getting ready to burn some crosses around her because she got it on. That would be <laughs> prejudice right that's what that would be i feel like that was more ignorant right because you don't understand the the whole lifestyle you don't understand the religion you don't understand the origin you don't understand all of that the practice so that would be more ignorant and honestly i'm ignorant when it comes down to that i see them sometimes in you know where i live in my region and it honestly it doesn't bother me only problem that i have with them is why y'all picking up all laundry in my size? Y'all can't even show y'all fucking face. Why y'all got it on? Like, that's the only problem I have with that. Did you like, say they're picking up all the laundry? The, the lingerie? Yes, the, lingerie, the lingerie. Yes, they, they are in Victoria's Secret picking up the lingerie. And I'm looking like, bitch, you can't even show your eyeballs. So why do you have that in my size? It's the last one I needed. That's the only problem I have. That's you're, the only problem that I have. You're just ignorant because that's hilarious. Oh. No, it's the fact. It's the fact. Well, like, a- really? A, a yellow camisole, bitch? <laughs> really? 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 Why you need it? I'm so bad at In you. In a medium? Oh, okay. Well, I shared that because I wanted to to let people know that, because you were just like, say, oh, you're not, I know you're not racist. And I don't believe I'm racist, and I don't believe I'm prejudiced. But it was an ignorant moment that happened like five years ago where I've reflected on that so many times. And it was a huge learning experience for me. 
to say, just because I can't see what's underneath her doesn't mean it's, it's something that's going to hurt me. Mm-hmm. 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 So there's that. But I think mainstream media has perpetuated that whole entire image. Oh yes. Of that background of people. And that's a whole nother issue to unpack on a whole nother podcast. As far as we start talking about right. what media Yes. You know, perpetuates as much as I can't stand this president that we currently have. One thing he's right about the media is with that bullshit. He's right about that. They do perpetuate a lot of nonsense and they shape the narrative for their benefit. He's right about that. Yeah. He's still an asshole and oh, an yeah. idiot at the end of the day. And he ignorant as fuck. That's just him. He just, He's garbage at the end of the day. But the one point he made about the media shaping the narrative and basically directing things to their benefit, he's right. He's absolutely right. Because guess what? The media has been doing that for, to black people forever. So he's right about that. I will give you that. I will give you that. Keisha, thank you so much for calling in. I really, did you enjoy this conversation? I absolutely enjoyed it. And I hope you call me again. I hope I wasn't too crazy. You are fantastic. Thanks for being so honest. And you gave, you actually educated me tonight. So I appreciate that. And well, you, thank you for and, having me. and you call me ignorant. <laughs> I love it. No one, <laughs> you're the first person to do that. Thank you so much for calling. Thank you. All right. Take care. Ladies and gentlemen, if you enjoyed this week's episode of Grounded with Flight Attendant Joe, please subscribe to the podcast. You'll get alerts when new episodes air. Also check out Flight Attendant Joe on Facebook and Instagram. And if you still haven't had enough of me, (laughs) check out the blog at www.flightattendantjoe.com.